The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. It's a moment much of the world didn't want to see. Japan's first whale hunt in more than 30 years. It's resumed commercial whaling after announcing in December that it would leave the International Whaling Commission, an institution that banned whale hunting globally in the 1980s. Weighing over five and a half tons, the eight metre long mammal was loaded onto a truck and taken to a factory for butchering. The harpoon used to kill it, still visibly wedged inside. To be able to be here and to send off commercial whaling ships for the first time in 31 years is something that I think is very emotional for those who have been working for it to be resumed. And I'm happy from the bottom of my heart. Under the ban, Japan continued whaling under what they called scientific research. But the meat of the animals would end up on store shelves and in restaurants around the country prompting critics to call the annual expeditions a disguise. Japan's decision to leave the commission has drawn widespread condemnation around the world. But Japan says most whale species aren't endangered, and this year's newly set quota of 227 whales is less than the 330 whales that they harvested in the Atlantic until recently. Japanese ships will also be limited to hunting in their own waters. 31 years. That's how long it's been since Japan last participated in commercial whaling. We have an an expert on this who's actually returning from Japan as we speak. He's the director of marine conservation for the International Fund for Animal uh, Welfare. Warfare, that would be inappropriate. Patrick Ramage. Hi, Patrick. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Kelsey. Good to be with you. Where are we catching you right now? From what I understood, you you were just in Japan. I was, yeah. Uh, this is my first day back um, at the office on um, Cape Cod in Massachusetts, where I'm based. But they had the opportunity last week to um, meet with international media in Tokyo, who were covering this story, as well as some some Japanese counterparts, um, to get sort of a an inside perspective on on what's actually going on here. Can we maybe start from the beginning? Take us back to 1988. What was the decision at that time? How did it come to be? And what is the International Whaling Commission? The International Whaling Commission, or IWC, is a global body that was set up in 1946. About 90 countries are members today, um, for strange reasons, not including um, Canada at this time. Um, But up until uh, yesterday, Japan was a full and dues-paying member of the IWC. When it was first set up in 1946, it was sort of a whaler's club designed to regulate the whaling industry and ensure the conservation of our planet's great whale stocks. And it pursued that mandate for a couple of decades, but over time began to migrate toward becoming a whale conservation body, not so much focused on divvying up quotas for commercial whaling, but more and more focused on the range of threats that these animals face in the water worldwide today. As your good setup piece, Kelsey, um, mentioned, um, Japan, uh, at the time of the imposition of a global worldwide moratorium or ban on killing of whales for commercial purposes, which was implemented in 1986, um, Japan uh, shortly thereafter began using the same boats, same companies involved, same species of whales being killed in similar numbers, but they called it science under a loophole or exception in the whaling convention. um, Countries are allowed to self-allocate a scientific quota, and this has been abused for about 30 years. 
um, by Japan, claiming that they're killing whales for scientific research purposes when the meat is actually ending up sitting in the same fish markets where where earlier whales had been sold commercially. Over that same period, Japanese consumers kind of lost their yen for whale meat. But in recent years, their government has spent billions of taxpayer yen propping up this dying industry. So it's it's been a long-running um, effort to persuade Japan to end its whaling conducted in the name of science in waters around Antarctica, in the North Pacific, um, as well as off of its coast. And while it's never good news when a great country leaves an international conservation convention, and while it's not welcome to have Japan announcing a return to commercial whaling, this is actually good news for whales. Why? Because Japan hasn't said it as loudly, but they're ending their high seas whaling in the southern hemisphere around Antarctica, in the northern hemisphere, in the Pacific, and they're just killing whales in smaller numbers within their coastal waters. Yes, they're changing the name again. They're calling it commercial, but this whaling has continued the whole time. And the good news for whales and whale conservation efforts worldwide is that Japan is waving the white flag on high seas whaling. This will be the first year in many that no whale has been killed for commercial purposes on the high seas. And so we welcome um, the implications of the announcement, even as worldwide media and governments have expressed concern about Japan using this commercial label. Now, Patrick, we just want to go back to something you said right at the beginning. Can you expect, did you say Canada was not a part of the agreement? Um, Canada is not a full member of the IWC. They attend as an observer um, to the commission. And Canada is certainly a leader internationally on marine protection issues and of uh, the overall cause of of both Arctic protection and sustainable development in coastal communities worldwide, but has not been a formal member of the IWC um, for for some decades now, at least for the two decades of my involvement. Canada, uh, a representative attends from Department of Fisheries and Oceans, but not as a a full member government. And frankly, from a from a whale conservation perspective, um, I'm somewhat ambivalent about that because. Um, it's it's unclear whether it would necessarily be a um, consistently pro-conservation vote that would be added to the mix um, or where exactly Canada would come out on the question of um, some of the uh, whaling that is being conducted. I'd say overall that the country, uh, when they're recognized and speak as an observer delegation, has played a pretty positive conservation-oriented role, but has not been a voting member for some years. All right. Thanks for the clarification, Patrick. Now, we also kind of explored that that it's some, some aspects of the whale catching is traditional-based, or it, there's a little bit of a ceremony behind it. Do you mind taking us into what that means, what, why the traditionalists are glad for this to be happening under these terms again? Sure. Um, yeah, and as, as your setup piece... Uh, and the audio there, which was compelling, um, outlined through a translator, um, this is being welcomed by longtime apologists and advocates for whaling in Japan. They are dwindling in number, but um, uh, feel strongly and have a, an emotional connection to this decision. Um, respect for culture is fundamental and, and very important. What's happened in the case of the whaling debate, not just in Japan, but in Iceland and Norway as well, is that 
Fisheries bureaucrats that want to continue this practice have tended to use cultural arguments um, claiming, for example, in Japan, that any disagreement with Japan on whaling is Japan bashing or that that uh, critiques of commercial whaling activities that really don't have any place in the modern country of Japan in the 21st century are somehow uh, an assault on Japanese culture or food culture. Um, that is not actually the case, but it's a very effective argument domestically among government bureaucrats who want to harness their pet issue and budget to a sort of nationalist political agenda. And Japan, like Canada, like the United States and other countries around the world, is a proud nation with an important maritime history and doesn't much appreciate other countries coming and trying to push them around and tell them to what to do. So perversely, committed efforts by groups like Greenpeace, Sea Shepherd, our own organization, the International Fund for Animal Welfare, over the years have sometimes been dismissed and ham-fisted campaigning from outside can lead to Japanese policymakers and others sort of circling the wagons and doubling down on their whaling policy. But when you hear some of these folks in coastal communities expressing um, their satisfaction that Japan is returning to this practice. It's not that whales are being killed that weren't being killed before. It's that Japan is now being more unabashed, albeit with smaller numbers, and, and frankly, a bit more honest in no longer dressing this up as some sort of scientific slaughter, but just saying, yeah, this is for a commercial pro product. The government of Japan, incredibly, has has made this decision to end high seas whaling without anything in return. They haven't negotiated this away. Um, they're doing it for reasons that make sense to them on their own terms. And so that's very welcome. They've also said they're ending subsidies for the whaling. And the whalers in coastal villages have expressed concern that, oh my goodness, we'll, we'll never make it if it's just the market that's going to determine if we stay afloat. So it's an interesting time of transition. And it's ostensibly defiant, but what we're seeing is the beginning of the end of Japanese whaling and Japanese decision makers on their own terms finding a way out of high seas whaling. So we're quietly um, very pleased with this important marine conservation progress. This really is something, the language is quite contradictory. It sounds like by them pulling out of this commission, out of this agreement, they're actually doing more for the whale population. What they're withdrawing from is not so much the International Whaling Commission as the business of whaling. And um, by any measure, in terms of what's going on with whales in the water, fewer being killed after this announcement than before. The market subsidies are being taken away by the government. Um, whaling will be forced to sink or swim based on the demand for whale meat. And based on that dwindling demand that uh, is currently uh, present in Japan, we expect this industry to drown very quickly. What are the demands? When they're saying this is, a, I, I know that they eat parts of the whales, but this isn't, there's not an international demand for this. We're getting text messages saying it's the whale oil that they're after. What are they looking it's for? Principally, what are they it's principally, while in days of yore, um, uh, whalers up and down the coasts of your country and mine, um, uh, uh, put to sea and came back with oil that lit the lamps of the Western world, frankly, and and tremendous profits were made um, on the backs of these marine mammals in an earlier time where there was demand for their meat, um, their oil, and other products. And, and to be honest, whaling was culturally and economically much more significant in Canada and in um, 
New England in the United States than it ever has been in Japan. There is some vestigial interest in whale meat, but it's minuscule. Um, it's 0.1% of meat consumption in Japan is due to whale meat. If, if it were on a per capita basis, it's about 40 grams. That's the weight of half of a medium-sized apple per year that is, that is being sold in the marketplace. Um, this is down from a post-war high of some um, 20,000 metric tons each year that was, that was being sold and consumed right after World War II. The Japanese needed uh, whale meat as a source of protein. General MacArthur, on behalf of the occupying powers of Japan, um, gave U.S. Navy boats to the Japanese, encouraging them to go whaling. But you know, time marches on, and the Japanese palate and interest in eating whale meat has 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 moved on as well. And and that's that's good news for anyone concerned with conserving whales in the 21st century. Patrick, now that we're seeing fewer wanting to eat the whale meat, is there a transition now to just simply everyone, tourists and locals alike, just wanting to see the whales in the water and that little bit of magic that comes with that? Well, just like is true on both coasts of of North America, um, whale and dolphin watching are taking off in Japan. And it's it's delightfully ironic, but um, the Japanese, when you're with them, and I've been whale watching in Japan several times, when you're with them on a whale watch boat, they their their cultural response is to applaud when they see the whales. And it's it's delightful. And there are 150, 150, uh, small whale and dolphin watching operations that have sprung up around the coast of Japan, from the northern island of Hokkaido to the southern island of Okinawa. And um, this industry and more sustainable use of whales, if you will, more whale-friendly um, relationship with them, is delivering economic benefits to coastal communities, some of, some of which, in an earlier time, um, benefited from whaling. Um, but these massive returns are much more meaningful now and more widely spread in coastal communities than any sort of um, government subsidies from um, propping up the whaling industry. That's true in Japan. It's true in Canada. It's true in 118 countries and territories worldwide today. It's a booming part of the ecotourism um, industry. And for any of your listeners that haven't yet been, I envy them because it's a tremendous experience to see a living whale uh, swimming and leaping up out of the water in its in its ocean um, habitat. It's it's something that all of us at the International Fund for Animal Welfare really strongly uh, recommend. And Canada's uh, whale watching on both coasts is absolutely world class. Patrick, thank you so much for your time and for sharing your insight on this uh, on this topic. So good to be with you. Take care. You as well. That is Patrick Romage, the Marine Conservation Director for the International Fund for Animal Welfare.